0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, wild to uh, greet you in this manner with uh, looking more at a um, camera than at real people's faces, but I know that you're real and I know that you're out there. And I was um, watching uh, Facebook a little bit as uh, the band was playing and as Pastor Kristen was um, uh, talking, giving announcements. I know that I'm kind of like right here, sort of small on your screen and that there's a, a big cross there. Maybe that's better. Maybe it's uh, good to have the cross be uh, huge and the um, person who's giving the information or bearing the message of the cross be diminished. That's probably theologically appropriate. But anyway, um, so we are experimenting here for this first week and we'll be improving this week by week. So please bear with us even if uh, you're probably lucky you got the uh, really large-sized pastor uh, for the first sermon here because uh, you can, might be able to see me slightly better. Well, I want to read to you scripture today. We're going to read out of 1 Peter. This is part of what we've been reading this week in our Immerse series. And um, I'm actually reading slightly different scriptures that are on the screen, but that's no big deal. We're just going to uh, jump around here. Our lives have changed uh, because of our experience here in the world. And so, um, uh, so my scripture has changed slightly as well. So 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And we're just going to uh, move chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. They'll all be just short verses, each one. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Listen closely. This is God's word for us today. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And then chapter 4, verses 8 through 13, 8 through 13. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And then finally, just one verse from chapter 5, verse 7. Pastor Kristen already said this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have your word with us in our homes. We're able to just pick up this Bible every day. And just read it, it's your love letter to us, it's your information, but also your transforming power given to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We're so grateful that your word is in our hands, and we pray that we will be those who really take that in, ingest it, uh, hear it. We pray today that as we think about these words uh, together as a congregation, that um, you'll speak to our hearts and that you will encourage us and help us to know what we need to hear from that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, wow, this is weird. I mean, we live in unprecedented times. I could not have guessed, even a few weeks ago, that I'd be delivering my sermon to you via Facebook Live, recorded on an iPhone, set up in the middle of an empty sanctuary. This is... a. Uh, This is strange stuff. This particular scenario never crossed my mind, never even occurred to me that this might be a reality. We're especially reminded this morning that the church is not a building. The church is people. People make up the church, not brick and mortar. Today, we are Bemis Point, United Methodist Church in multiple locations. But even though we can't see you, we know you're there. And we know each of us is there. I know on Facebook, you can just punch in and uh, people see that you're there. We love you and we love this world. That's why we're here with good news. Nor would I have guessed that our world would be involved in a worldwide pandemic that is wreaking havoc on our healthcare systems, on our national and international economies, and on our normal rhythms of life. I mean, in the last month, over 300,000 people across the world have been infected with the coronavirus. 13,000 of them have died. Virtually every country has been forced to realize that this is a pandemic that respects no boundaries. In the last week, two to three million Americans have lost their jobs. The stock market has plummeted further than any time since 1931, And my two daughters, Emily and Katie, have been stuck in quarantine at college. Emily, because she came back from uh, the UK, from London, and uh, they have to quarantine for 14 days, and Katie, because she went to a conference and was uh, potentially exposed there, and so they have to quarantine, she has to quarantine until she gets her test back. That's strange for us to uh, just talk to them on FaceTime and um, hope that they're well, and they are doing well. In the last 48 hours, 793 people have died in Italy, Governor Cuomo has ordered all non-essential businesses closed, and Congress is discussing at least a $1 trillion bailout for the American taxpayer. And we have all become acquainted with all sorts of new terms and ideas, social distancing, self-isolation, flattening the curve, N95 face masks, and of course, the all-favorite toilet paper hoarding and it feels like everyone's been on Facebook just a little bit too long this week maybe going a little stir crazy but coming up with some fantastic memes I have to say I love the one that suggests that Corona beer was willing to pay 15 million dollars to have the coronavirus renamed the bud light virus that that was a good one I like that one but this I think is my favorite the quarantine meal schedule here it is seven o'clock breakfast. 7.15. Dessert breakfast. 8.30. Panic snack that goes with the news. 9.45. Chocolate. 11.30. Snack while standing up staring blankly into the distance. 12.30. Lunch with a small dessert. 2 o'clock. Post nap luncheon. 4.30. Trail mix. 6 o'clock. Dinner, but it has weird vibes. And finally, 10 o'clock, ice cream. I have to admit, that schedule sounds a little bit too familiar to me and maybe to you as well. This whole experience, I think, is leaving us all a little weirded out and maybe a little stressed. We live in unprecedented times. There was a man in the Bible who also lived in unprecedented times. His name was Peter, Simon Peter, the rock. The disciple of Jesus, the one that Jesus said, on you I will build my church. He became a leader in the church. He lived in the very challenging time of the beginning of the church, which was uh, experienced amidst great resistance and persecution. And Peter, of course, wrote a couple letters to some Gentile believers that were part of our Bible reading this week in the Immerse series. By the way, I hope you're doing well in your Bible reading. The um, free time that maybe some of us have picked up is a good opportunity to perhaps catch up if you got a little bit behind, but even better, this is an amazing opportunity for families to get together and read together. I know that might sound a little weird, but I would just have to say that that was one of the most profound things we did as a family when our children were younger, was to read the Bible, just a little bit of it, on uh, every breakfast time. Um... It may not be that everybody's up for breakfast at the same time. Sometime in the day when you can read together as a family and just um, pray together as a family doesn't have to be long, but wow, it can be a bonding thing that can really draw you together. The verses we just read were written to Christians who were in a very real crisis. and aggressive persecution was taking many of their livelihoods and even many of their lives and so they understand, they understand what Peter means uh, when he says these things. And we get, we get a sense of that too. As Peter is speaking to people in crisis, we are in crisis in a different way. Peter reminds them that God has chosen them to be his own people. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Friends, you are chosen by God to be his special possession his holy people. You're chosen. It reminds me of the story of the little boy who was adopted and some uh, mean kids were uh, teasing him about that. And, um, and he looks at them and he says, look, your parents were stuck with you. My parents chose me. What a great attitude. We've been chosen by God. He chose us because he loves us. He chooses you so that you will praise him. Because he's the one that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And those of us who are Christians know what that means. It means God has freed us from our anger or our arrogance, our addiction or our hopelessness, our pride or our greed, or from just generally our own self-rule, which always does not end well. Peter reminds us that we've been saved out of darkness into the marvelous light and that we are deeply loved by God. We've received mercy, total forgiveness, total freedom from guilt. So many of our friends and loved ones walk around feeling the weight of guilt. We as Christians walk free of that guilt. That's such a powerful reality in our lives. We have deep hope for this life and for the eternal life that comes afterwards. We're not just saying, eh, I hope it works out. We have a guaranteed hope that comes from the witness of the Holy Spirit that's acted in our hearts, rem- reminding us and reassuring us that we are God's children. We are a people of hope. And because of that hope, friends, we are not desperately focused on our own needs. We can love our neighbors as ourselves. We aren't filled with fear and despair. We don't have to rush to the store to buy extra milk for ourselves. Instead, we pick up some extra for a neighbor who's more vulnerable. We give financially to the needs of, of those who have lost their jobs. We pray, pray, pray for those in need and for the world's needs. We connect with people on the phone, over FaceTime, whatever means that is, and pour out love into them. We can contribute hope instead of fear. And what that does when we do that is create for people a reason to ask us about our hope. When we let the light of Jesus shine out of us. People notice that. People wonder. People ask. And it gives us the chance to say, yeah, I'm hopeful not because of my 401k, not because of the state of my personal health, not because my ability to control my life circumstances in this world. No, none of those things. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Here's the answer. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome any obstacle, even death. My hope is sure because God loves us and has chosen us. And we have the privilege of telling others that God loves them just as much and wants them to experience the hope that we have. Our answer for that hope is always, it's God, and he loves us so much. See, living in an unprecedented time gives us an unprecedented opportunity We are walking around with hope. We are looking out for the needs of others. We're living lives which are fearless. Now, don't get me wrong. Fearless does not mean foolish. I urge you to cooperate with all the wise requests of those who are trying to stop this virus. Take care of yourselves. Practice social distancing. Wash your hands all the time. Cover when you cough. Don't jeopardize the health of vulnerable people. If you happen to be purchasing groceries for someone who is more vulnerable, who is more likely to get sick. Don't walk in the house, give them a big hug. No, no, no. Set it down on their doorstep. Let them know it's there. Help them maybe leave some alcohol wipes so they can wipe things down and be even more careful. Don't be foolish, but be fearless because catch this, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. Some will object. How can God's love be real if we're going through hard times? Peter says, ah, don't fall into that false way of thinking. Don't fall for that old ruse. Don't think that suffering and struggle and difficulty somehow means that God doesn't love you or has abandoned you. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, just because hard times are there doesn't mean it's strange. Peter goes on, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're ever tempted to wonder where God is in a time of crisis, to wonder if he really loves you because times are hard, this is one of those verses that shows that, don't be surprised, Times can be hard, and God still loves us. His love for us is proven in that he remains with us in the hard times. He doesn't abandon us, but he stays close to us, living inside of us with his Holy Spirit, giving us hope and power for each day. So living in unprecedented times has given us an unprecedented opportunity. We talk a good talk. It's time for us to walk a good walk. A scared world needs a fearless church. And just in case you're still freaking out, losing control of those panicked feelings which are rising up in you at every lonely hour that goes by or every crazy, chaotic, interrupted hour while you're trying to do some work at home or every scared friend who calls you and can't stop crying or every news report that pushes your particular buttons, Peter offers this final simple advice cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you yes it's that simple cast all your anxiety on jesus because he cares for you just throw chuck heave all your anxiety worries fears onto jesus shoulders he can handle it cry out to god and tell him how you feel but also pull out your bible and read all the promises that are in scripture for, God, for how God loves you and wants to help you. Read verses like what we just read, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. Or Isaiah forty one ten. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, powerful right hand. Or Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And if you're wondering where to find verses like that, where'd you get those verses, Pastor Bill? Just Google promises in the Bible, God's faithfulness in the Bible, anything like that, it will come up. Yeah, you will easily be able to find those verses. Friends, take in faith, not fear. When you Bring in, what you bring in mentally will shape your attitude and your outlook and your hopefulness. So put down the phone or the computer or the TV remote and pick up your Bible or listen to it on your phone or listen to worship music or watch the Bible Project videos. Do whatever you can to take in faith, not fear. And pour out faith, not fear. Enough people are pouring out fear. Let us be the people who pour out faith. Declare the greatness of God that you find in Scripture. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Living in unprecedented times has given us an unprecedented opportunity. We know about how God is real, how he changes lives, how he heals bodies, how he heals relationships, how he doesn't just give us a spirit of fear, he gives us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Friends, it's time for us to walk the talk. We've had to shut down the building, but we haven't shut down the church Peter says, use whatever gift you have received to serve others. We are the church. We can serve boldly in Jesus' name. We can call and encourage and pray for people. We can write notes of hope in emails. We can pour out faith on social media. We can send a card in the mail. We can pray, pray, pray. Because friends, a scared world needs a fearless church. That's us. Let's do this. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how you have given us such faith. And I pray that each person sitting at home right now will sense from you the persons that they need to reach out to, that they need to call, that they need to encourage, that they need to offer prayer for. I pray that each Christian will recognize that our gift beyond serving physically, which is incredibly powerful, is the gift of prayer, is the gift of offering God's presence in people's lives. I pray that we will do that for others. God, we pray today that you will give us courage and that you will give us faith and that we will be the fearless church for the scared world that exists out there. God, we are yours and we love you and we're so grateful you've chosen us And that you've given us a reason for our hope. And you helped us to think about that. And you will help us to share that as we serve others, casting out all our anxiety and leaning only on you. We love you, God. Thank you so much. We worship you today. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. amen.